you're fat. So you ready. drink anyone. Maybe you should leave it cleavage. Maybe you're acting too smart. You're a boss. I just don't understand why you don't have no money. I would marry you. You're a tequila lover. You're down to party. You're the Chargers number one fan. Hey all you catches, it's your favorite former single gal Erin who transformed in front of your eyes, got reeled in in front of your ears, and had an Oprah aha moment that changed everything. Ladies, before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love. You're tuned in to another episode of You're Such a Catch, a podcast dedicated to helping you realize the catch that you are. We do not have to be defined by our relationship status nor conform to societal norms. All we have to do is be ourselves. Last week, I shared a story about my past I'm not particularly proud of. I chose to open up about this time in my life, exposing old wounds, because if my sharing helps someone else in a similar situation, then reliving it all and speaking my truth out loud was worth it. I received some feedback from the episode I'd like to share. This DM I received read, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I too dated a married man. I carry so much shame because of what I did. What a great episode. Another DM I received read, I listened to your most recent podcast today. Great fucking job. I absolutely love that you shared the experience and everything you took away from it. It gives women permission to see all the beautiful wisdom we can absorb from living our lives in their glorious messiness. Wow. I always say feedback fuels my fire because it truly does. To the women who took the time to reach out and send such empowering messages my way, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you tuned in, I appreciate you making this space for me, and I hope that you too claim forgiveness in your life, whether that be with yourself or others. I'm excited to introduce you to Tiffany Kane, host of the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. Tiffany's on a mission to support women who are in a difficult marriage, going through a separation or divorce, or who are divorced and are having a difficult time. As you can imagine with a mission like that, we hit it off immediately. Today, Tiffany is going to share her own journey, one of bravery, courage, survival, and redemption. As you'll hear, Tiffany is truly the hero of her own story, which is a beautiful example to all of us as she claims love and life after divorce. Before we get to it, please make sure you've subscribed on whatever podcast player you tune in on. You aren't going to want to miss a thing. If you find this episode helpful, please share it on your Instagram or with a friend or someone who could benefit from the message. There's also a downloadable worksheet that corresponds with today's episode. If you want to follow along, take action and evoke change, click on the link in the episode notes to download and print the form. So I think, Tiffany, I want you to just start telling your story. Like, I want to know... Lead us up to the point in which you got divorced. Like, how did you meet your ex-husband and what was your relationship like? And I know a lot of your story, just from what I know of you, but I want you to share with my listeners, is kind of also tied to your upbringing and how you were raised. And then that comes to play a role in how your relationship kind of pans out. So it's very interesting because I've I've talked about this a lot. I have my own podcast. I talk about it quite a bit and I talked about it to people, but... 
you just asking me made my heart start racing a little bit. It's, oh, it's no very interesting how this happens. So it's still very vulnerable, but I can definitely say I speak from a place of healing rather than wounded. But it's still, I think anytime we talk about vulnerable things, it your heart races a little. So mm-hmm. yes, my upbringing is a big part of this. I was raised in a very strict religion, very patriarchal, super strict by the Bible type of religion. And girls were raised to be subservient to Mm -hmm. the male figures in their lives, whether it was the elders in the congregation, their fathers, their brothers, and then whoever they marry. And we were raised that you don't date, you are with somebody to get married. So there's not that, let me discover who works for me, right? There's not that, what works for me, who do I want to be with? It's you date specifically for the purpose of getting married and you pretty much marry the person you date, right? <laughs> There's a lot of pressure to get married really quick and very wow, young. Wow, I guess so. And are you picking the person that you're dating to marry yourself or is there a lot of outside influence coming in of like, this is the person that you should be pursuing, Tiffany, or vice versa? Is he approaching you because of influence from his family or his circle? Yeah, that's a great question. So my religion is fairly small. I'm not a part of it anymore, but it's fairly fairly small. And you could only date within the religion. And so you have a small pool of people to choose from. Dating outside the religion is a a big, huge no-no and you get in Uh, very big trouble for mm -hmm. it, right? So I was raised with that. Now, at about 19, I realized this wasn't working for me. And I went on a world I went backpacking around England, France, and Spain, and kind of went to discover myself. And by 20, I left the religion and I I left home, but I literally had to leave home. I packed my car up and drove 3,000 miles away from Florida to California to start over because I was ostracized from my community. Mm. I what they call it disfellowshipping. And it's as if you don't exist. Like to this day, my mother doesn't talk to me and my sister doesn't talk to me to this day. Wow. I don't exist to them. Yeah. Like I sent a text message to my mom because I'd heard that her husband had been in a horrible car accident. And I, I just sent her a message and she responded with, who is this? So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I've had the same phone number for 27 years. So that was. Oh my God. My heart, my heart is like so broken right now. Like I, I, wow. I mean, I was not expecting like this part of the story, but I mean, (laughs) this just even more amplifies how incredibly strong you are. And oh my gosh, I mean, your mindset and, and just being able to overcome not only what you're going to share with us, but also this, this is crazy. Wow. It's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother episode. Oh my God, I guess so, girlfriend. I guess so. So fast forward just a little bit, just about a year of me moving to California, you know, packing up my little Toyota Corolla that I literally had to put oil in every single day on my four four day drive out, oil and water every day on my four day drive from Florida to California. Yeah, there's stories there like breaking down in Arizona and having a trucker pick me up and help. It's amazing I'm alive. Anyway, maybe about a year later, I met the man I would marry. Mm -hmm. And we were working together. Looking back now, there were red flags from day one. Mm -hmm. But he was really my first boyfriend. And here I am 
20, I was just about 21 when we truly started dating, never having had a boyfriend before. Right. So you can imagine like in high school, like most people, middle school, high school, like you're dating and you're trying and you're figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Well, Mm -hmm. not, not me. And my mindset is you date who you marry or you Mm -hmm. marry who you date. So there, when these red flags came up, my understanding was you deal with it. Like when you love somebody, you deal with it. And so I didn't see them as red flags. And Mm -hmm. so there were plenty, there were plenty, 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 and glaring and loud and unkind. Mm -hmm. Yet I married him and I was, I was madly in love. I truly believe this was real love. And there were plenty of good times, but there were lots of bad, mm-hmm. lots of abuse, mental, emotional, and even physical, and just a lot of unkindness and a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt. And it wasn't until my best friend died. I was 40 and she passed away from breast cancer. And that opened my eyes. And there's a whole story there that we don't have time to get into today as to how my ex dealt with that. Mm. But basically, I realized in a very glaring, very painful, very hurtful way that he was not my person, Mm -hmm. that I just lost my best friend Mm -hmm. and he hurt me more over it rather than helping me. And that pretty much made me realize they in, in abusive situations, your abuser pushes and pushes and pushes your boundaries and you don't really realize until your boundary pushes you off a cliff. And so I talk about it in my trailer of my podcast that I call it hanging on by bloody fingernails. Like he had pushed me so far. I was holding on to the edge of this cliff with bloody fingernails. Like imagine like thunderstorm and wind whipping around you and just holding on for dear life, terrified of, of falling. And honestly, Aaron falling was the best thing that ever happened to me, letting go falling off that cliff and getting on a path. Anytime you fall, it hurts. There's bruises, there's cuts, there's scrapes. And Mm -hmm. it's life after divorce is not an easy trail, as you well know, especially when there's a lot of trauma involved from abuse and, and being told that horrible things about yourself. There's a lot of growth that needs to happen, but darn, letting go and letting myself fall off that cliff and getting on my own path was the absolute best decision I ever made. Hardest, painful, but best. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about as you're in this marriage and you don't have any support from your family, you've just moved across the country. So I'm guessing you don't have a built-in friend group yet. You're probably Mm -hmm. meeting people, but you truly only have him. You build this connection with him. You fall in love with him and he's your circle. He's your inner circle. So as you're dealing with these things and you're noticing these red flags and you have this feeling kind of like this feeling in your gut, are you able to share with anybody kind of what you're going through or, or what's your process to kind of deal with those emotions and these things that are happening to you? Cause you don't have a support system. You are so absolutely correct. And in fact, I dabble in art a little bit. And one of the art pieces I did at that time was him and I in a bubble and I titled it universe of two. And that's truly what it was. It was a universe of two. And at the time I thought that was so romantic. And we would say that to each other, we're universe of two. And I realize looking back now, an abuser likes to isolate. 
they're the person, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was extraordinarily isolated. Anytime I tried to make a friend, I was told all the ways that person wasn't good for me. And it was very hard. I was very controlled. And so taking the time to spend time with other people was frowned upon. Sometimes I still did it. Like I, I so craved connection. But a lot of times those people were people connected to him, wives of his friends and maybe neighbors and things like that. And so truly, in, when I got divorced, I literally lost everybody starting fresh again. Again. Wow. Yeah, literally lost everybody. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but when you said you're isolated, universe of two, and that's all you have, it's true. It's all I had. And no, I didn't really have people to talk to about this because it's not like I'm going to talk to his friend's wives. I mean, mm-hmm. we would sit there and kind of bitch and moan and complain about our husbands because that's what unhappy women do. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. I'm not unhappy. I, I don't think I ever bitch and moan and complain about my boyfriend because if I have an issue, we handle it together. But I, I, I couldn't tell anybody like the truth of how I was feeling. I don't even know if I knew the truth. I thought the way our marriage was, was the way it was supposed to be. And so mm-hmm. why talk to anybody about changing So you it? didn't think anything was wrong with it. Right, right, exactly. And so how old were you when you um, became a mother then? 32. 32. Yeah. Okay, so you 32. guys waited quite a bit before you started to have a family. We did. I had a lot. I had fertility issues. We tried for quite a while. I had to get some medical intervention, which is a whole nother level of challenge in a relationship, especially when the relationship already has challenges. Oh, sure. So yeah, it took a little while to get pregnant, but we did st- wait to start. We were in your 20s, you're just so darn young. And we were both going to college. And I didn't go to college until I was an adult because in my religion, I wasn't allowed to go to college. Even though I was in a, a really, really good student, I wasn't allowed to go to college. And so I moved to California and kind of had to do college on my own. So it took me eight years to get through my undergrad. And then I went and got my teaching credential. And then I went and got my master's. So things take a while when you're doing Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But the important point to acknowledge here is that you did it. I did it. And that you (laughs) you kind of overcame those challenges because that is insane that you weren't allowed the privilege or the opportunity to pursue whatever avenue that you wanted to. I mean, that's so crazy. I mean, that in itself is quite the accomplishment just to say, no, that's, (laughs) I'm going to do what I want to do. And here I go. Can you talk a little bit about when kids entered the mix though, how that changed the dynamic? Like, did you then have feelings of, oh, this relationship isn't going where I want it to go, or I recognize that there's some unhealthy things happening here, but now we have children together and I need to keep this family unit together. (sighs) Okay, Erin. So that was actually when I realized the magnitude of the problems in our relationship. My firstborn, I had major medical issues during the pregnancy. I was very, very ill, hospitalized a lot, bed rest for a good portion of it. And I didn't like having my husband at the hospital with me. He made things worse than better. Yeah. Mm. And then once the baby came, I was in a rough situation. He was early. He had a lot of problems. My oldest, I've talked about this a lot on my podcast. He's on the autism spectrum and severely ADHD. And he's amazing. He's like the greatest kid on the planet. I am, I I feel like he's my kindred spirit. Like we were meant to be together, this child and I, but he was a difficult baby. 
And I honestly fell out of love with my husband then. I loved him through all the difficulties. I was madly in love, madly, which is why I put up with so much. And I truly fell in love with him when he became a father, which breaks my heart to say, like you're supposed Mm -hmm. to fall in love more with your partner when they become a father. It's one of the joys of the man I'm dating now is watching him be the father I wish my kids had. And he has just embraced that role so wholeheartedly, like beyond my wildest dreams. Like I get in tears sometimes when he does stuff with the kids. I'm like, you were meant to be a father. And and he doesn't have children Uh of his own. And he just, so anyway, I digress a little. So yes, becoming a mom definitely changed the relationship dramatically. It opened my eyes to a lot of the problems that were happening, but I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do. And honestly, there was a day when I, my oldest, I have two children now and they're five and a half years apart. The second one was a surprise. I wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant. (laughs) It was a lot of miscarriages and problems in between. And then one day I'm like, huh, I haven't had a period in like three months. I wonder what's going on. Oh my God. Yeah. Surprise. (laughs) A little miracle baby. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, but miracle baby, but you talk about bringing a baby into something already falling apart. That was Mm -hmm. beyond rough. And there was a day my little guy was a baby and my big boy was maybe around six or seven and something terrible happened in the home where he ended up being the recipient of physical action from my ex. And the next morning, I'm driving him to school with his our little neighbor friend. And here they are, little first or second graders. And I'm driving him to school. And he starts telling his friend what happened. And I said, oh, honey, you can't tell anybody that. That will get your dad in big trouble. Don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. And then I stopped and listened to myself. And I went, I am telling my child that it's okay that these things happened to him and that he's not allowed to talk about them. And that things rapidly started to change after that because I couldn't let this stuff keep happening. Right. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine being in your shoes at that time and trying to juggle all the things that we do as an adult, plus raising these two kids, being protective over them, also kind of dealing with the repercussions of emotional and verbal abuse and just being able to show up and and live out your day every day. I Mm -hmm. mean, I have to imagine there were some lonely days, some tough times, like you didn't have, you know, anybody to really turn to. So tell me, where do you think the courage came when you finally went to your ex-husband and said, this is, this is done. I've, I've got (laughs) to. Honestly, the courage came when I lost my best friend to breast cancer, losing her She was my tie to my childhood. We called each other twins, which is kind of funny. I mean, funny story. I'm Irish, super blonde, super pale, get burned five minutes out in the sun. She's African-American. And we would tell everybody we were twins and they would look at us like, huh? And we're like, oh, totally. She just got left in the incubator too long. (laughs) And they believed us. Oh my God. We thought it was the funniest thing. But anyway, we were you know, soulmates our whole life. And I loved her deeply and losing her and losing that last tie to my childhood, the last person who really understood, because we both grew up in the relation, in the religion together, we both left. Losing that tie 
just opened my eyes. And and having somebody you love so deeply pass away, you start looking at your life and going, I need to live a better life. I If I meet my maker tomorrow, am I able to say I lived the best life I possibly could and I made the most difference in this world I possibly could and I gave my children the best example of what it means to be a good human being. Can I say I've done that? And I, I couldn't. So I knew I had to start prioritizing those things. And prioritizing mm-hmm. those things started with saying this marriage doesn't work for me anymore. And I told him and he didn't believe me. <laughs> In fact, when I served him papers, he was utterly shocked. I'm like, how can you be shocked? I've pretty much for the last six or eight months been letting you know this is where we're going. And I, I actually picked up the kids and left and went home to Florida for five weeks because we needed space. And I let him know, like, this is starting the separation. And if things don't change, I was still hopeful at that point that things could change. If you don't get mm-hmm. therapy and if things don't change, then then I can't be with you anymore. And things didn't change. There was no therapy. He didn't take it seriously. And mm-hmm. he was shocked when I served him papers. But I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't say things I don't mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he didn't think that. He he wasn't believing that until it really happened, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. yeah. And and probably too, he was like, well, we've been through so much together and she's always mm-hmm. come back or she's always yes. stuck by my side. And so yeah. talk to me then too. I know this is a really tough point when you uh, make a decision to get a divorce and you do have children involved. Like what was the conversation? like when you sat down to have that with your children and, and let them know that you were going to be leaving the marriage? Were they old enough to really comprehend or? Ooh, that's a tough one, Erin. So my oldest was in fourth grade and my little guy, literally the papers got served on his fourth birthday. And I'd ask my lawyer, uh. it, it was, they were restraining order papers. And I'd ask my lawyer, is there any way like can you wait a weekend? And she's like, seriously, these are restraining order papers. No, I'm not asking the judge to wait. And it just so happened to land on his fourth birthday. So at that exact moment, I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know what to say. I just knew I needed to get him to safety. And I Mm -hmm. packed up the boys and took them down to San Diego for the weekend and tried to make the birthday weekend as great as I possibly could. And I explained at that time, because at that time it was just a restraining order and the divorce process was starting, was that daddy loves you very much. And he needs help. And mm-hmm. and he's taking some time to get the help that he needs. And he loves you. We're going to be okay. And it's mommy's job to keep you safe. And I didn't feel like we were safe. And I have mm-hmm. to keep you safe. And it's hard. And it hurts. And, and we just had those conversations kind of over and over and over again. They were both young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My oldest understood to a point because there were a lot of things happening that were very hard on him. Mm-hmm. He was experiencing a lot of, of things that kid probably shouldn't experience. And so getting him out of that environment, he blossomed. It was really good for him. My little guy didn't understand. And I think to this day, it affects him a little bit in the sense of he's got some separation anxiety to this day when he's turning 11 this month. And I think there's some things that We've had therapy and all that good stuff, but I think there are just some things that get ingrained when you're little that are, he probably doesn't even understand what he's thinking, but I I, I can trace it back to that 
wait a minute, dad wasn't around for three months. Like, could that happen again? Okay. It's not an easy path. I, I am not somebody to just say, hey, everybody should get divorced. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It is hard. But I mean, kudos to you for just picking up and finding a way. I mean, that's what you mm -hmm. did. You said we needed to find safety. So that's what I did. I, I provided safety to, to me and my family and we got out of the situation and I made a pact with myself that we're starting over. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're no stranger to that. You just told us that you at 19 drove across the country <laughs> to, to start over. So I can only imagine like what you were feeling in that moment, like, oh my gosh, here I go again. And now it's a different chapter of your life. So walk me through those next steps then. I mean, are at that point, are you swearing off? Like, I, I am not going to get married again. I, I want nothing <laughs> to do with men. I mean, I mean, what does that look like? <laughs> oh, yeah. I <laughs> vowed loudly and vocally that I would never live with a man again. I'd never be in a long-term relationship, much less ever get married. I did want some boy toys around because girls got some needs, but <laughs> I, I totally was like, oh, heck no. The beautiful thing I did a couple years after the divorce was get involved with the relationship coach. Mm -hmm. And because I realized that my patterns were harming me as well. Like you can mm -hmm. only go through so many boy toys and then it just kind of starts affecting your self-esteem and your self-confidence sure. and, and your belief in humanity, honestly. <laughs> and you stick in a pattern of getting hurt, right? When you refuse to connect to other people. And that's what I was doing. I was like, I'm such a guy when it comes to relationships. Like, I don't want the, the <laughs> wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Totally fine with me. Like, right. no I don't attached. want, exactly. I don't want anything. But that wasn't really the core of who I was. That was speaking from a wounded person. The core mm -hmm. of who I was, was I crave connection. I crave companionship. I crave vulnerability and deep conversations. I'm the worst at small talk. I just, uh -huh. it, it bores me and it's not fun and it exhausts me, but man, let's have a deep heart to heart and, oh, I'm in my happy place. Yeah. And so I realized I wasn't living in alignment with myself authentically. So I did, I got a coach and it took some time. I was in some deep resistance, but here I am seven years later and my sexy man's living with me. <laughs> we live in the same <laughs> yes. house together. And we're going on two years. It's been ama like amazing, the connection and the way we're able to talk about hard things. And it's impossible to be this age. I'm 47. It's mm -hmm. impossible to be 47 and with two kids and all the things you go through life without hard things, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to talk about them. You've got to talk about them. And we can, and we do. And being with somebody who respects and honors that very vulnerable side of myself that is willing to touch my still open wounds with kid gloves and being careful and honors my scars and sees beauty in them and doesn't see me as like, how could you be somebody that lets, let, lets people treat you like that? Like he doesn't, he's never acted like that. And, and I, that's because I stopped thinking about myself like that. And so once I could stop thinking that I was a victim of whatever, mm -hmm. and once I could heal, then mm -hmm. I could be with a good man who would treat me beyond well. 
treats wow. me like a queen, like a goddess. I don't know. It's amazing. Sometimes I'm just like, am Pinch I living me, in a Hallmark it? movie? Like what is happening right now? <laughs> I don't understand. I didn't think this was reality. So, uh, yeah, pinch me, so pinch me. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. And what I just watched you say, or what I heard you say and watched like with your emotion and everything is that you came into this place of self-worth and self-love and mm -hmm. acceptance of who you are. And that's a place that is very near and dear to me because I've had to do the same. And I've mm -hmm. had to accept certain events and circumstances from my past and just own them as part of my story and quit mm -hmm. being victim to them and, and just accept them and kind of move forward. Because there's always going to be something that triggers an emotion or something from the past, but it's how you learn to cope and deal with it. And I love that the two of you can have open conversation and he's willing to kind of mm -hmm. talk about these hard times with you with an open mind and an open heart, because you need that. You need that yes. space and you need to be able to communicate and let him know that whatever situation might bring up something else. And this is why I'm responding the way I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's beautiful and lovely. And I'm sure there's things in his past as well that mm -hmm. come up that you do the same for him. So how yes. did you two meet? The good old fashioned, okay, Cupid right there. Oh! I'm telling you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cupid. All right. Okay, Cupid. Yep. Good old OKC. So the funny thing is I, I love telling this story because it's so hilarious to me because he had just started his profile. He had nothing written in his profile. Okay. And typically I don't even, I won't even click on somebody like that. I'm like, if you're not taking this seriously, I'm not taking you seriously. Like, mm -hmm. forget it. But he sent me a message and girlfriend, he sent me, it was like a five paragraph message. And I okay, don't know I about you, but usually I look at those. I don't bother to read them. I'm like, oh, oh really? No. I'm like, don't waste my time with this. You can't bother to fill out your profile and you're going to send me five paragraphs. Usually they're a scammer, they're a whatever. I'm like, oh, forget okay. you. And spilling your guts out to me when you, we haven't even said hello to each other. Like, I don't have time for you, right? So I almost deleted that without reading it. But then there was this little mini paragraph that cracked me up that I was like, wait a minute, I think I need to read the rest of this. This is funny. And he had, he, it was set apart from the rest so that I, I, my, it just captured my eye. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting at, where was he? I think he said South Coast Plaza or one of those places where, where all the hoity-toity people shop, yeah. right? And he's like, I just saw the funniest thing. I saw a woman put a plunger in her Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> and the way he described it, I laughed out loud. It was the only part I read. I laughed out loud. I didn't even read the rest of it. And I responded back, oh my gosh, you just made me laugh so hard. And then we started talking. I honestly didn't go back and read his thing until later. Because uh -huh. I'm like, I'm not wasting time on that. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And okay. So it's so it funny just... perception though, because if I got something that was a five paragraph, I'd be like, whoa, the effort that this person <laughs> poured in. So I would read it because also there's like a side of me that's like, did he cut copy and paste that for everybody? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did. And that's no, 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 he didn't. Oh. But that's what happened to me before, because literally, like you start getting the same messages over and over, right? Right. Like, oh, mm -hmm. there must be a script somewhere online that these men are getting this from and they're copying and pasting because. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, mind you, when I met him, I'd been divorced a little over five years. And so dating on those sites for that long, I, I definitely was jaded and was like, I don't have time for this. But that made me laugh. And so we started talking and we had a phone call pretty quick. I'm, I'm also somebody that's like, I'm not going to go back and forth with you. Like, mm-hmm. let's have a, a talk. And yep. if that goes good, then let's have a date. But mm-hmm. he kept wanting to call me. Right. Uh-huh. And we had a date set for Saturday and it's Monday and he's called like three times. And so I'm all, okay. All right, dude. Um, like you're asking a lot of my time right now and I haven't met you. So uh-huh. I'm not gonna have another phone conversation. I'm not gonna really text anymore. I do have tomorrow night available from this time to this time. If you want to meet other than okay. that, like we have a date on Saturday. I'll see you Saturday. <laughs> that was kind uh-huh. of like how uh-huh. I was. <laughs> That's where I was at. Cause at this point, like there was a lot of time in the phone conversation. I'm like, I'm not sure how much time on somebody I haven't met. Yeah. And so he's so cute because he had planned this great date for Saturday. So he's all, okay, but it's not our first date. This is our pre-first date. Okay. And he picked a really fun place. He made sure to pick someplace close to me. And it actually ended up being one of my favorite spots. And he didn't know. And okay. we just had a lovely time. And we connected right away. And he was so sweet and so open and vulnerable. And Aaron, here's the best part. You yes. know how I said he hadn't didn't have anything on his profile? It was uh-huh. because he had literally just started his profile and I was the first person he talked to. Aww. And I was the last person he talked to on that site. <laughs> that is amazing. That That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, timing, so many things, so many things come into play there to, to make it all work out. That's beautiful. And I love that. Yeah. So walk me through kind of in your head. And the reason I want to ask this question is because this is something kind of I went through myself. But after I got out of my divorce, I was very hesitant to get into another relationship because I was so scared to death of making the same mistake again. Mm -hmm. Did you have any feelings like that? Or had the work that you did with this relationship coach and the work you were doing on yourself, had you just come to a place where you're like, no, I trust myself. I know what I'm doing now. I'm approaching things vastly different than before. And I'm just going to go with it. I think it's a combination of both. Like, I'm not sure I will ever be totally able to get over those fears. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure I'll ever be totally ever able to 100% trust myself. It's a, like, I think we've talked before about how this self-love and self-worthiness is truly a daily practice. And it's really easy to fall back. And I have my rough days when I definitely fall into my pit of despair. Then laying on the bed with the covers over my head is my favorite place to be. But so, so there's a combination of really, truly having to work consciously on opening myself up to this love. Because Mm -hmm. I will put my prickly armor on and I will push him away sometimes. And I actually recorded an episode with him about this. I was like, hey, will you come on? Let's talk about this, like my prickly armor and and what it's like and all of that. And it's, at least I know that's what's happening. I think that's where my great growth has happened is I'm aware that I'm putting on my prickly armor. I'm aware I'm pushing him away. I'm aware that I'm afraid of opening myself up and that I often create those what if stories in my head and those should stories in my head Mm -hmm. that can damage. So those things definitely happen. Mm -hmm. Along the same lines, all of the work that I did, working with the relationship coach, focusing on myself, reading book after book after book, connecting myself to different communities of women, 
getting my master's degree, like all of those things that I did to improve myself and my self-confidence running, I ran three marathons. I did a triathlon. I, I started doing aerial and acro yoga and like just trying things and doing things and getting out there and getting new confidence and new skills and, and making new friends. All of those led me to being able to say yes to him of, okay, this is a risk. This is a big, mm-hmm. ginormous risk mm-hmm. living with you and letting you into my life and my kid's life and opening this up. But okay, let's do it. Like, And we have had this conversation, he and I, where we were having a little bit of an argument and he's like, well, do you want me to leave? Do you need me to, do you need me to go? Do you need me to leave? And, and I told him, I said, wow, that's like the nuclear option. Never, ever say that to me unless you truly want to leave. And he said, well, I want you to always know you have options and that I don't have mm-hmm. to be here if you don't want me to be here. And I said, oh, David, I know I have options. Mm-hmm. I know. And that to me is the powerful part of knowing I have options and of knowing if at any point I need to say this is no longer working and we've Mm -hmm. exhausted all of our, everything we can, that I am strong enough as much as it will hurt. And as much as it would gut me, I am strong enough to say this no longer works for me. Mm -hmm. And I also know he's strong enough for that. And I I have confidence and, and because I have confidence in his strength and his ability to say, this is no longer working for me. It makes us stronger together because every single day we wake up and we choose each other. Right. I love so. it. I love it. And and I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I mean, Tiffany, this is called a healthy relationship. Right. And, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But the reason I'm kind of bringing that to the forefront is I think when people like us have been through these situations, we've spun what a healthy relationship is, right? We've we've spun Mm -hmm. it in our heads because we've endured things longer than we should have. We let relationships go way past our expiration date. Yes. And and we maybe internalized that we were the catalyst for why it was doing that. It wasn't working. And so now to take a step back and to understand that you have options, that Mm -hmm. you don't have to stay in something or be in a place where it's not working or it isn't unhealthy anymore, like that is so huge huge. But the beauty in that is that you now have the tools and the self-realization and the ability to communicate this with your partner and say, hey, I'm choosing this and we may be at a bump in the road, but we're going to work through it together. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't want you to leave. Like, let's just figure this out and figure it out Mm -hmm. together. And there's something so beautiful there. Ah, It truly is. I love it. It truly is. And it feels safe when you can say that to each other. Yes, it does. It does. It feels safe when you can share your thoughts without being judged by the other person Mm -hmm. and that you can share them knowing that a conversation needs to be had to work through it to get to the other side. And that's, that's phenomenal. And just think of the beautiful example that you're giving to your children about now look at this relationship and this is how things should work. This Mm -hmm. is what love looks like. And this Mm -hmm. is what working towards something together, being a team and a true partner, this is what that looks like. My God, I love this, that the story comes just full circle. It's it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So I do want to talk about 
Did you introduce him to your children right off the bat or did you let a period of time kind of go by where you're like feeling things out to make sure before you did that, that you felt comfortable and confident that he'd be sticking around? Because I know that can be tough for women who are dating, who have children going, well, I'd love to bring him into the fold, but if he's not going to be here three weeks, three months from now, like why even bother? Yes. And I'm very protective of my kiddos, right? They've been through a lot. And I I want to protect them as much as I can from unnecessary harm. And Mm -hmm. I had made the mistake previously of introducing somebody a little too soon, somebody Mm -hmm. I was dating. And I did it. I am sure your listeners will empathize with this. This is not something I am proud of. But their dad started dating somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm dating somebody who, it was one of those where my relationship coach had been like, hey, like open yourself up to somebody you wouldn't normally date and just, just try it, just try it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was at. And he was a nice guy, but he wasn't my guy by any means. Mm-hmm. But we were dating and, and it was fine. It was fine. Anytime you say it's fine, like it's not the right relationship. Mm-hmm. But their dad was dating and I kind of, got my panties in a wad and was like, well, he introduced them to her. Well, they're going to meet my guy. And Mm -hmm. we hadn't been dating that long. And so I introduced them and my little one really connected with this guy. And like I said, he was a nice guy. He was, he wasn't a bad guy at all. He just wasn't my guy. And when I broke it off, it really hurt my little one, right? He had connected and it was very hard for him to understand. And so moving forward, I realized that I could not think of myself in these situations that, and I, 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 I don't think I consciously thought, oh, they met their dad's girlfriend. Now they're going to meet the guy I'm seeing. That was a truly subconscious thought. Looking back now, I know that's what the thought process was. Mm -hmm. At the time, it wasn't a conscious thought process. It just is what happened. So yes, this time around, I wanted to be much more careful much more careful. So we took a little time. He met them literally a week before the COVID quarantine. Oh, wow. Okay. Literally (laughs) a week before the COVID quarantine. So what I did was I sat the boys down and I said, I'm dating somebody and I'm really happy. And they could tell. They knew something was going on. They could tell I was happy. My oldest asked over and over again, what's going on with you? Something's different. You're like happy. There's a pep in your step. So they knew something was going on. I sat down with them and told them that I'd met somebody that I liked a lot and I'd really love for them to meet. We talked about it. We decided meeting at a restaurant would be the best place so that it was neutral territory for the boys. This isn't the language they used. In my head, it's neutral territory. Mm -hmm. So it's not like this man's walking into our house. And we chose my little guy's favorite restaurant, California Pizza Kitchen. And so that he was fun and he was happy. And we had a little system in place where they could say a code word to me that would let me know if they were enjoying Mm. meeting David and if they were, if they wanted him to come back to the house to play a board game with us. Okay. And so, and if they didn't, there was a code word for, okay, at the end of dinner, we're going to part our separate ways and it's fine. And I was very comfortable and prepared for this may take my kids a while and we may have to do this introduction slowly over time. It may take a while. 
my little guy leaned over to me like 10 minutes into dinner. He's like, I want him to come over for a board game. I really like him. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. They connected immediately, immediately. Uh-huh. And because he's such a good guy. And that dinner, he was so present with the kids, talking to them and engaging them and asking them questions and laughing with them. And kids at dinner time, it's not typically fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're kind of pains in the butts at dinner time. But no, he he made it so lovely. And so then then he came over and played cards. And that was a week before quarantine. And two weeks. I want to say two weeks because I get the kids every other weekend because they're with their dad every other weekend now. So the next weekend the kids were with us was quarantine. And David was so lovely. He planned this outdoor outing. We went on a hike and he knew my kids through the hardest part of their life because quarantine Mm. was really brutal on them. Mm -hmm. It's hard on us as adults, kids. Yeah. Complete. They're such social little creatures and losing that social connection. They truly felt like their world was ending. And so they had a lot of emotional challenges through quarantine and that's, he knew them through that he didn't know them at like their best. He knew them at their most emotional and most difficult. And he was, he's been so great. And they just all, we just all, he connected with them so beautifully. So Mm. very long answer to that simple question, but I was careful this time around for sure. And I'm, I'm really glad I was, and it, it ended up being beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you took the long approach because that's a story that it is a Hallmark movie, right? I mean, (laughs) because I'm sure there might've been like a little thought in the back of your mind, like, oh no, if they use the code word, like they don't want him to come over, then what does that look like? Because Mm -hmm. now you've, you're falling for somebody and it's hugely important. I mean, it's vitally important that your kids also see what you see in him. So it's beautiful Mm -hmm. that right off the bat, they, they saw it, they embraced it and it's just grown. So Mm -hmm. Do you think about what's next? Like, do you want to get married again? And have you talked about that? We, (laughs) oh, Aaron, my goodness. All the difficult (laughs) questions, aren't I? (laughs) There, I may have purchased a pair of Bagley Mishka shoes just in case I get asked. (laughs) (laughs) They might be sitting wrapped up hidden away in my closet just in case. Oh <laughs> I love it. I love Beautiful it. Beautiful oh. blue satin Bagley Mishkas with the uh, crystal oh. embellishments, just maybe. Yes, so, girl. Yeah, I'm, I'm letting myself be open to the possibility. That was when I purchased those as like a symbolic, okay, if, if this is where the relationship's going, then I'm going to be ready to say yes. I think I'm most definitely not in a rush for the marriage part, I want it to feel super right for both of us. But I think when we get there, it's, it's, we'll both know that it's right and it'll feel really good. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm rooting for you and I can't wait to see these shoes. I, um, I love it. I love it. You're also telling the universe, Hey, yeah. I know what I'm going to wear when that moment happens. So <laughs> we are here for, for it. We're going to need, you know, an update. <laughs> So you're going to have to come back and let us know. But Tiffany, your story is beautiful. Your story is one that I think so many people can relate to because 
it's not all roses and daffodils. Mm. There were quite a few thorny patches in there, but you weren't going to let that stop you. You had you had not only goals and dreams for yourself, like look at you, you, you were told you couldn't go to college and now you have a master's degree. You decided that this religion wasn't for you and you picked up and took a shot and traveled across the country to create a new life for yourself, one that felt right and and felt good to you. And it hasn't been an easy journey by any means, but it's a journey of, of this story and this tale that if you just trust yourself and trust the universe and keep going and, and value the things that are important, which are yourself, your intuition, that tugging on your heart, like you can get to this place and this point. And that is a beautiful story of hope. And I'm so appreciative that you chose to share that with us. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. And I, honestly, I've, I've shared a few things with you that I haven't even shared on my own podcast. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, we were in the thick of it. I was, I was feeling it. But these are thoughts. A lot of times after my divorce, people would tell me, and, and I think they thought they were giving me comfort, but they would say, Erin, thank God you didn't have kids with him because then you'd still have this tie. And I didn't really like that comment because I wanted to be a mother so bad. I would have mm-hmm. thought like, oh, the child would have been the gift from the relationship. It took me a lot longer to to realize what lessons I had learned, which are the gift from the relationship, right? And so I didn't really like that that answer, but it does, having children with your ex-husband does bring on this whole other gamut of challenges and obstacles to overcome. And I just think it's beautiful that you did this with literally no support system and then recognizing I need a support system, but Mm -hmm. you weren't going to wait for it to come to you. You went and found it for yourself. And I think that is a major lesson here of self-advocacy. You knew you needed to do that and you did, and that's beautiful. And you're now paving a, a beautiful path for your children and giving them a great example of how to overcome challenge and, and tribulation to live the life that you want to live because there is life and love after divorce, <laughs> right? There is. Yes, I mean, you're, is. you're proof is. of it. You're proof of it. Yep. So Tiffany, if my listeners want to find you, how do they do that? Oh, well, I do have a podcast called Love and Life After Divorce. You can find it on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the good places. Um, on Instagram, I'm Tiffany Kane. I have a website, tiffanykane.com. It's, you know, not too challenging to find me. Facebook, Tiffany Kane. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty easy. And actually, my boyfriend and I are launching a business together because we like each other so much and we're actually great business partners. Amazing. Casa Media Productions. So K A for K and S A for Sice because he's the sexy sound guy. And <laughs> we're into this media stuff and, and this podcasting and all of that. And we want to help other people too. So soon you will find my Instagram, Casa Media as well. That's probably this ah. weekend, getting that up and going. So amazing. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. We're going to have to keep us up to date with what's going on in your world because we're going to want to know when you break those shoes out the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you. Loved having you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hook, line, and sinker. I'm going to cast some questions Tiffany's way, and she's going to rummage through her tackle box for the answers. Hook us up with your best relationship advice. 
Oh, hook you up with my best relationship advice. Work on yourself. Believe in yourself. Spend the time, the energy, the money, the effort to truly love the woman you see in the mirror. Love the cellulite, love the wrinkles, love the gray hairs coming out of your head, love the journey you've been on, love your tears, love your laughter, love yourself. Because you can't have a good relationship if you don't love yourself. And it's a little bit of a misnomer. I mean, there. I know people say that all the time. And it's like, well, come on. Will you ever fully love yourself? And I'm in a place where truly loving myself is a conscious practice every day. I look in the mirror, my 47-year-old body, and I'm like, oh, look at that sag. Look at that wrinkle. Maybe I should go get some Botox or something like that. And I'm not knocking Botox. I'm not against it. You, you have that talking in your head. And so that loving yourself is a daily practice. So I'm not saying you have to master it. I'm not saying you can't have a good relationship until you've mastered loving yourself. But you have to be in that place where you are willing to love yourself and do the work it takes to see how worthy you are. And then you will attract a relationship where that man sees how worthy you are and you will not put up relation with relationships where men see you as anything less than worthy of his full love. You want a man that will literally run over mountains for you and swim shark infested waters and throw himself in front of a bus for you. Men will do that when they worship the ground you walk on and they will if you see yourself as worthy. What's the cringiest pickup line someone's used on you? (laughs) So it'd probably honestly be from the guy I'm dating right now because he gives me the cringiest pickup lines all the time. Cracks me up. But okay, from somebody not that I'm not dating, I was walking through Irvine Spectrum one day meeting some girlfriends for a movie and a man walked up to me, just a random man is all, Girl, you must be from the South because you've got a butt that looks like you know how to eat fried chicken. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> butt by fried chicken, yeah. I mean, I'm gluten-free, so I don't eat anything fried. But but hey, anytime somebody can appreciate the junk in the trunk, that's, that's great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think that is a compliment, girlfriend, all day long. Compliment, for sure. It made me laugh uh, all night. <laughs> like, yeah, butt, like I mean, people chickens. are out there getting Brazilian butt lifts and you've got it naturally. It's beautiful. I love it. Oh, that's so good. What's something that you're going to let go of that might be holding you back from claiming what you want? I love that question so much. Okay, so I am currently in a place of expansion and I'm having to let go and it is the scariest thing ever. I've been in public education for 20 years and it's a good stable job. You get what your salary is gonna be, but it's really hard to reach your expansiveness when you know what your salary is gonna be and when what you make doesn't matter how much how hard you work and the person next to you could be putting in half the effort you put in and they're gonna make the same amount as you right like so your effort is not necessarily rewarded financially or really professionally because there's only so many places you can go so I am shifting out and that is a huge step out of security 
right, to make this shift and to have a plan for by this time, I'm going to be out on my own. Right now, I have great health insurance. I know what my salary is going to be. It's not always comfortable to live within that salary, but at least I know when the paychecks are coming one time a month, 10 times a year. But I'm stepping out of that safety zone and that comfort zone. I'm making a plan to get out of there and really depend on myself. And that, oh my God, Aaron, that is scary. I mean, I go back and forth of, I've got a steady, reliable job. Why would I give that up? I've got a pension coming. I've got 15 more years and I can retire comfortably. And versus oh my God, let's set it up so that in the next couple of years you're on your own and and you get to make your own hours and your own time and make as much money as you want based on the effort you're willing to put in and touch as many lives as you can on in, in your way. And it's a serious battle and struggle right now. <laughs> um, I'm sure. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining Tiffany and me for this conversation about claiming love and life after divorce. Divorce does not need to be the end of your story. You can overcome hard things. Divorce is a rebirth. It's a brand new chapter with blank pages ready for you to fill them up with more love and life when you're ready. Here are a few of my key takeaways. If you don't feel aligned with the religion you were brought up in, especially its influence on relationships, find the courage to leave. There's support on the other side. Two, if you feel like you're hanging on for dear life in your relationship from a cliff with bloody fingernails, as Tiffany describes, let go, surrender. You'll be better off for it. Three, when there's any form of abuse occurring in a relationship, the only objective is getting yourself and your children to safety, period. Four, After divorce, work with a relationship coach or seek professional help to overcome patterns and behaviors, ensuring you're emotionally and mentally ready to date again. Five, make self-love and self-worth a daily practice. It's easy to fall back into our old ways, especially after enduring trauma or being in an abusive relationship. Keep nurturing your relationship with yourself. It's the most important relationship you have. And lastly, Be selective with when and how you introduce a new partner to your children. Using a technique like Tiffany did with a safe word is an effective and easy way to get your child's initial reaction to ensure they feel comfortable with all that's going on. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to hear more from Tiffany, our conversation continues over on YSC Unfiltered. Next week, my man is back. That's right. Triple J, Jamar John Johnson. We'll catch you up on our relationship and he'll share what he's claiming as his. Until then, feel free to follow my journey at You're Such a Catch on all social media platforms or apply to be the catch of the week, our feature Friday, by visiting yoursuchacatch.com. Ladies, I said it once and I'll say it again. Before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love. <laughs>